little clock to make sure I run on time. It's a possibility. It's, it's just there as a guide. <laughs> I'm back now. Uh, uh, you are back. And you have, have been naughty, so I'll just continue. Continue in the vein and the model set forth by my leaders. <laughs> so whatever I say today is fully his fault, if you don't like it. <laughs> uh, so welcome. Uh, yeah, we're in the middle of the series, as Pastor Chris said, uh, God of Jacob, this is week three, and we had uh, Cody share last week as well. And today's message is based around uh, Genesis 29, at the time of Jacob starting his family. In uh, chapter 29, verse 35, reads, She conceived again, and when she gave birth to a son, she said, This time I will praise the Lord. So she named him Judah. And the title of this week's message is This Time, and we'll come back to that verse towards the end. For a little bit of a recap of the series, for, just for you, Pastor Chris, I'll put it in the notes, uh, but for, for everybody. Uh, and then we're going to go on to the background of that verse and uh, see what this time means for us uh, today. In the first week, we had a promise made is a promise kept. And in spite of a divided family, God ultimately saw that his promise to Rebecca about the younger serving the older, so the older serving the younger, the younger reigning, about Jacob was kept. But because of the manner in which Jacob did it in and Rebekah, we were left with this verse in Genesis 27, verse 41. Esau held a grudge against Jacob because of the blessing his father had given him. He said to himself, the day is a mourning for my father and near. Then I will kill my brother Jacob. So the family's in a good place. In a really good place. There's that everything's amicable, the relationships are going really well, the parents all get on and treat the kids all equally. But in verse 42, the story then goes on, that's where we left it in the first week. When Rebecca was told what her oldest son Esau had said, she sent for her younger son Jacob and said to him, your brother Esau is planning to avenge himself by killing you. Now then, my son, do what I say. Flee at once to my brother Laban in Haran. And so uh, Jacob goes off and the instruction from Rebekah is to go find a wife and, and go, go stay there. Uh, because, and then Rebekah is quite coming and you can see where Jacob kind of gets the coming and the, um, all of his kind of antics from because then Rebekah goes to Isaac and says, well, for this to kind of be a legitimate family thing, I'm going to put an idea in Isaac's head that then he will bless Jacob so he can go and his trip is blessed. And uh, so even though he's stolen the blessing that Isaac still honours the blessing he's given to Jacob. In for, verse 46, Rebekah said to Isaac, I'm disgusted with living because of these Hittite women. If Jacob takes a wife from among these women of this land, from Hittite women like these, my life will not be worth living. So then Rebekah has convinced Isaac and he calls for Jacob in, in chapter 28, verse 1, and blessed him. Then he commanded him, do not marry a Canaanite woman. Go to Padan Aram, to the house of your mother's father, Bethuel. Take a wife for yourself there from among the daughters of Laban, your mother's brother. And then, as um, Cody shared with us last week, 
Uh, there's an encounter that Jacob has at Bethel on this journey, on, a, on the journey to his uncle to find a wife and to, to find a wife from the right kind of family in the right kind of region. And we discovered last week, uh, Cody shared with us the purpose of the promise. So the first week was the promise made as a promise kept and continued on the theme of promises last week, that the purpose of a promise is that we might be led to him who made the promise. And we also uh, would be led to him. We would discover the promise's character through the types of promises they make and keep and then how we can respond to a promise. Jacob's response to the promise in that dream at Bethel was that he had to make the Lord his God and it required action. He set up a stone and, uh, at the place of Bethel. In Genesis chapter 28, verse 13, there above it stood the Lord and he said, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham, and the God of Isaac. There's no Jacob in this part yet. I will give you and your descendants the land on which you are living. So Jacob had a decision to make and his response set a legacy in motion. His response to the encounter set that legacy in motion. And the decision uh, turned from being the God of his fathers and forefathers to his God too. And so we see and where we get the title of the series, 400 years later or so in Exodus 3 verse 6, and he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And over the course of this uh, five weeks, that's what we're discovering is what makes the God of Jacob so important and relevant to us today. So continuing the story after the encounter at Bethel, Jacob is on his way to Laban. He, when he arrives, he gets close, he encounters shepherds on his arrival three flocks or so, and then along comes Rachel, the daughter of Laban. And Jacob, being a bit macho, single-handedly moves a stone away from a well so he could feed all the flocks and uh, so they can water their sheep, even though it wasn't the right time. And so we kind of see that story in the first part of chapter 29. And then we come to... Uh, and, and Jacob reveals to Rachel that I'm relative and I've been sent here and I'm, I'm coming to stay with your family. And then so Jacob starts, uh, Rachel goes and tells Laban and then uh, Jacob starts to spend time with the family in tw uh, chapter 29, verse 14 in the second half. After Jacob had stayed with him for a whole month, Laban said to him, just because you're a relative of mine, should you work for me for nothing? Tell me what your wages should be. Now Laban had two daughters. Does this sound familiar? From the first week in particular? A tale of two children? The name of the older was Leah and the name of the younger was Rachel. Verse 17. <laughs> Leah had weak eyes. But Rachel had a lovely figure and was beautiful. Now this is very interesting and, and you can see the makings of this pattern continuing where we had uh, Jacob and Esau and comparisons and then uh, where one of them was hairy and, and red-headed and, and the other was smooth and spent time you know, not out in the field but in the, um, amongst the tents. Leah had weak eyes but Rachel had a lovely figure and was beautiful. Now in some translations weak eyes might mean dull eyes and um, 
or it is translated like that. And it's unclear, have a a little look, whether this description is actually meant to be negative or positive. Uh, Because you can translate that that Hebrew word in two different ways. Could be translated as weak or dull, as we kind of read it in uh, English translations these days. But... And it, so it may indicate a lack of brightness in the eye, you know, the lack of the sparkle um, that you, you might like. Lustrous or sparkling eyes were considered a striking sign of beauty in the culture and in other verses in the Bible. On the other hand, if you translate the word as delicate, tender or lovely, it could go that way. It may indicate that uh, Le- uh, Leah had one striking feature while Rachel had many. So Either way, it's not looking good for Leah when you compare to Rachel. At the very least, she's got nothing nice to... uh, There's either nothing nice to say about her or only one thing compared to Rachel having many. It's either an insult or a backhanded compliment about her dull eyes. Her eyes are quite lovely compared to the rest of her. Have you ever heard of a, a backhanded compliment? One that I can uh, think of is, oh, he's, he's pretty good for a Kiwi. <laughs> Speaking about myself, and I was thinking about this this morning and I might have to use Mike as an example. Uh, I accidentally did a double whammy back and a compliment to Mike a couple of weeks ago. I'm um, not sure if Mike remembers. Mike's very gracious, so I haven't asked his permission, but he'll forgive me because it's in the Bible. Um, <laughs> But two, two weeks ago, uh, we did, for the first time, my testimony, the Elevation song in church, and uh, Mike was playing, and it was rocking, and I was just enamoured and, and watching, like, I, I like watching guitarists shred and do their thing, and, and Mike was nailing it. After the service across the road, like, Mike, that was the first time doing the song today, and you did it really well this kind of like backhanded, you know, for a first time, that was a great effort. That's kind of how it came across. They're like, oh no, uh, okay. Um, kind of backtracking like, and, and then I just kind of kept digging the hole. Like, I, I know you weren't at rehearsal last week and so what you came out with is really good. Ah. <laughs> uh, uh. But in all honesty, I, I love watching Mike play. He's a great uh, servant uh, and what he brings to our worship experience is fantastic. So can we all give Mike like a... <laughs> he, he loves the limelight. He loves, loves to mention. But yeah, uh, we can, sometimes we can slip, slip into backhanded compliments. Uh, I've got some other examples for you. Well, uh, half your outfit looks fabulous. Uh, your Instagram makes you seem so fun. <laughs> I didn't expect you to get the job. Congratulations. I l- this is a classic. You probably have, uh, some people might have heard this one. I love how you don't care about how you come across. <laughs> I wish I was as chill uh, as you about all the clutter around here. <laughs> You're so charming when you make an effort. I wish I didn't have any responsibilities like you. And uh, one that I get quite a lot is, uh, you look so much more awake with makeup. Uh, so here we have Leah, the subject of comparison to her sister. 
maybe it was a backhanded compliment, maybe it was a derogatory comment, but she's a subject to comparison. And I think we can all relate to Leah at some point in our lives. It might not necessarily be a comparison to siblings, but often there is that comparison, whether we bring it upon ourselves or others do it growing up. And I wonder, have you ever been caught in a comparison trap? Maybe, have you ever been overlooked for something because someone else was favoured? Rachel was favoured over Leah because of her beauty. Could be some other reason. Maybe someone at work gets a promotion at work that you were working hard for and expecting. Someone else got the favour. Or maybe you played footy when you were younger and you didn't get picked for a sports team that you hoped you were going to and someone else took your position that you were hoping for. If you have been in any of those situations, then you can relate to Leah. The story of Rachel and Leah is again an example of the first will be last and the last will be first that Jesus teaches about in the New Testament. This time, against the custom, the youngest will be married before the oldest. The cultural expectation will be flipped, or will it? Uh, chapter 29, verse 18, Jacob was in love with Rachel and said, I'll work for you seven years in return for your younger daughter, Rachel. Laban said, it's better that I give her to you than some other man. Stay here with me. So Jacob served seven years to get Rachel, but they seemed like only a few days to him because of his love for her. <laughs> That's true love, working for seven years and it just seemed like a few days because he's so enamoured by Rachel. Verse 21, then Jacob said to Laban, give me my wife, my time is completed and I want to make love to her. It's in the Bible. <laughs> I'm just quoting the Bible. <laughs> but as, as time was up, they had an agreement. So Laban brought together all the people of the place and gave a feast. They put on the wedding party, brought everyone together. When evening came, he took his daughter Leah and brought her to Jacob and Jacob made love to her. You might wonder how, how this might happen. Well, they probably didn't have like, LED mood lighting going on. It's probably a little bit dark. Jacob might have had a few wines and not kind of realised what was going on. And, and Laban gave his, his servant Zilpah to his daughter as her attendant. Verse 25, when morning came, there was Leah. Surprise! <laughs> so Jacob, now it's light, he's probably sobered up, said to Laban, what is this you have done to me? I served you for Rachel, didn't I? Why have you deceived me? The trickster was tricked. The deceiver was deceived. Verse 26, Laban replied, it's not our custom here to give the younger daughter a marriage before the older one. Finish this daughter's bridal week, then we'll give you the younger one. Also in return for another seven years of work. And Jacob did so. He finished the week with Leah and then Laban gave him his daughter Rachel to be his wife. Uh, skipping 29, verse 30, Jacob made love to Rachel also, and his love for Rachel was greater than his love for Leah. Again, we're seeing Rebecca and Isaac, that kind of, that story continuing of uh, somebody in the family loving or liking someone else more than another member of the family. And he worked for Laban another seven years, this time, uh, he got to the wedding before the seven years. He uh, 
kind of figured it out. He couldn't trust Laban to you know, work seven years and deliver. So he basically had two weddings within the space of a couple of weeks. His love for Rachel was greater. Where did he get this idea of favoritism? Well, it was modelled by his parents. It's a little bit dysfunctional. Not only was Rachel preferred by Jacob, but Leah's own dad, Laban, had to resort to trickery to get her married off in their culture. I can't imagine what that would be like. It's kind of a foreign thing in our culture and our time. But how would that conversation have gone? Sometimes it's just interesting to look at a story and go, what might they have said to get from there to there? Laban could have said something like, hey, Leah, Rachel is meant to get married today, but I'm going to trick Jacob because you should get married first. I'm going to send you into Jacob when it's too dark for him to notice, and you will consummate a marriage that he isn't expecting. So here we have Leah, Leah in a marriage that she probably didn't want, married to a man who loves his sister and set up by her own dad. Things are working out really nicely. It is totally understandable that Leah might have a few issues going on of identity, value, self-worth. And if you're struggling with any of those, stay with me to hear how Leah goes from this situation to having an amazing legacy that impacts us right here, right now, today. Then we go on to the story of Jacob's children in chapter 29, verse 31. When the Lord saw that Leah was not loved, he enabled her to conceive, but Rachel remained childless. Leah became pregnant and gave birth to a son. She named him Reuben. Hi, Reuben. For she said, it is because the Lord has seen my misery. (laughs) Sorry, Reuben. (laughs) Surely my husband will love me now. See, in those times in their culture, they often name their kids around uh, what they were experiencing or their life circumstance at the time. Uh, so she's experiencing and feeling uh, misery because of her husband isn't loving her, he's loving his sister more. She conceived again in verse 33, and when she gave birth to a son, she said, because the Lord heard that I am not loved, again, He gave me this one too. So she named him Simeon, one who hears. Again, she conceived, and when she gave birth to a son, she said, now at last my husband will become attached to me because I have borne him three sons. So he was named Levi, which means it sounds like attached. In naming her children three times, she's focused on her problem, her environment, her circumstances. It gives us a clue to her mindset, to her situation that she was living in. As a result, she's seeking the attention or approval of her husband, and that could represent of the people around her in her world. See, people give love and attention, but only God has that perfect character that Cody mentioned last week that will be with us no matter what, because the promises reveal the character of the promiser. Verse 35, which we started this message with, she conceived again, and when she gave birth to a son, she said, this time I will praise the Lord. So she named him Judah, which means praise. See, Leah was in a battle with her sister and her husband 
for affection, for favour, for being noticed. Luckily, we're in a different cultural time where uh, as Carmen sometimes jokes, she's monitoring the live chat from home this morning. I probably shouldn't say this, but she said, like, even if we were in a... I blame this one down here. Uh, Even if we were in, like, a different culture, she said, I just wouldn't be able to, like, keep up and have two wives because, you know, looking after and maintaining the relationship with one, like, that's... That, that's kind of the, the maximum kind of focus that you really, really want to do. So even if I was interested in being naughty, uh, it would just be too difficult. <laughs> Hope that came across okay. Hi, Carmen. <laughs> so she had a choice in the situation, focused on the circumstances, her environment, on the people, the approval, the attention of people around her, or this time do something different and praise. So the fourth time, this time, she turned to praise the Lord. Something changed in her mindset and in her world. See, to praise is a decision, a lifestyle choice, a response. Do you struggle to praise in difficult times? Have you struggled to praise this year? That's totally understandable. I know for me, we shared our story a few weeks ago, it was hard at times over the last 12 months to praise. Uh, being in and out of hospital and uh, lying in bed for a number of months. Uh, sometimes it was just purely the, the physical act of praise. I wanted to, but all I could rustle up is a playlist of worship music on my phone. And even then, sometimes the very noise of music playing uh, was highly irritating to the, the nerve stuff going on. Uh, but every opportunity I had was trying to have some praise in those circumstances, some worship going on. Praising is a choice, a decision in spite of circumstances, a decision to say, this time I will praise the Lord. See, there'll be many times, there'll be many this times in their life. Sickness, unemployment, relationship breakdown. How about this time that we're in right now? this pandemic. How many times this year have you heard phrases at this unusual time, in these unprecedented times, in this difficult time? I'm sure there's a few variations, but they're all along the same sort of line. The question is, what will you do this time? It took Leah four times until she realised and made that change. She made a change from seeking the approval of others of her husband, the family, to praising the Lord. Now, it can be tricky. How can you decide to praise in difficult circumstances in spite of what's going on around you? Well, I think our ability to praise is connected to our trust in God. Our ability to praise is connected to our trust in God. Our trust that God knows that we, what we are going through, our trust that God is working for us at all times. If we are putting our trust in others, we can be let down. But if we put our faith and trust in God, the promiser, he will never let us down. If we can put our trust in God, we can make a decision for the next this time before it even happens. Now, the cool thing about what came out of this praise. Out of her this time moment, this time I will praise the Lord, came the promised blessing for the nations that was promised to Abraham 
and then to Isaac, and then to Jacob. Jesus. Jesus is described in Revelation as the lion of the tribe of Judah. Her fourth son, Praise, became the family, continued the family line of which uh, Jesus came from. So the f- and the future kings of the nation, and then ultimately Jesus came from that praise, from that change in situation. The kingship of the nation came from Leah, the unfavoured one. The first will be last, the last will be first. It's a wonderful story of redemption with an origin in an unwanted marriage laced with deception and bitterness. But that's what Jesus came out of. He understands and can relate to every circumstance and every person. Paul is correct when he writes that God does work in all things for good. He works all things together for good for those who love him and called according to his purpose. Just ask Jordan if you come up. Thanks. That same redemption is available to us through Jesus. He died on the cross so that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. And I want to take a moment now to give you an opportunity to make a decision to follow him today. Just ask everybody to close your eyes. If you've made that decision before, but kind of done things your own way, family circumstance, you've had a bit of a Leah, Rachel, Jacob, Rebecca, Esau thing going on, and circumstances and family and environment has been chaotic. There's an opportunity to say to Jesus, I need you, come back into my life. If you've never made that decision to follow Jesus, there's an opportunity to do that this morning. In just a moment, I'll ask you to raise your hand nice and high and I'll acknowledge that. And if you're online, you can do it in the chat. To raise your hand and then we'll pray together as a group just to commit or recommit our lives to follow Jesus. So if there's anyone here this morning that would like to make that decision to to follow Jesus for the first time, or maybe you've done that before, but you want to come back to relationship, just raise your hand nice and high this morning. In person here online. Cool, let's pray this together. Jesus, I need you. I'm humbly calling out to you. I'm tired of doing things my way. Help me to start doing things your way. I invite you into my life to be my Lord and Saviour. Fill the emptiness in me with your Holy Spirit and make me whole. Lord, help me to trust you. Amen. Just ask everybody to stand as we kind of come to a conclusion. Just want to have an opportunity just to take a couple of minutes to reflect on what I've shared and maybe something's resonated with you. See, we, we see the first will be last and last will be first played out a little differently than we expected. We thought that Rachel would get married first, but it turned out to be Leah. The youngest last was going to go first in terms of that marriage, and that's where we left it. But how it ended up was the first choice of people, of man, ended up second in terms of a long-term legacy. 
just close your eyes where you are and just reflect on these words and maybe Holy Spirit's been speaking to you this morning. You may feel like you're Leah. You may feel like you're not the first choice. You may feel like you're not loved. Maybe you've been stuck in a comparison trap. This time, I will praise the Lord. Focus and shift that focus to how much you trust in God and shift towards an attitude of praise. Maybe you're struggling with repeat circumstances. Jacob had things happen in his life that happened in his father's life and then it was playing out in his wife's lives. Maybe you're struggling to get out of this kind of spinning cycle of behaviour or things going on in your world that just no matter how much you try, things keep coming back around. This morning, make a decision to say, no devil, this time I will praise. This time will be different. I will not focus on the circumstances, I will focus on the praise. See, for Leah, the struggles didn't stop. It's not a story of automatically she prays and her life was perfect from that point on. She had ongoing rivalry with her sister and she ended up having three more kids later on as well. And their kids would have things going on between the family. But in the this time moment, in that decision, there was a legacy of blessing for others. So my challenge and my encouragement to you this week is let's have a this time about us this week. As a circumstance comes up, have a pre-made decision, this time I will praise, this time I will trust in God. I will turn my attention and focus to Him and trust that it will work out. Make a decision that this time I will, pra- I will praise rather than complain. This time I will not focus on what others think. This time I will put my trust in God. Let me pray for you this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you work through all sorts of stories. Story of Rachel and Leah and Jacob. to bring about blessing and beauty and redemption even through the craziest circumstances and behaviour. Thank you for your favour and blessing this week. Help us to focus on praise rather than people around us. Focus our attention and our interaction relationship with you than seeking the approval of others. Help us to trust in you when family life, when work life, when circumstances around us are difficult. Anything from COVID, pandemic, these unusual times, you give us the strength and spirit to say this time, I will praise 
in this time, at this time, the next time I will praise. Amen.